so today I'm going to talk to you about being under your roof, what goes on under your roof, under your roof. You know, uh, there's a lot of people that I've had coffee with that I would never let under my roof. <laughs> right? There's a lot of people that I will sit down and listen to their problems and, uh, and sort through things that I'm just not inviting over. Okay? I'm sure that you can think of a few people that you're not going to invite over. I mean, you, some of you that have been on dates, there's certain people that you would never introduce to your parents, right? You go, oh, wow, this isn't going to work. So you don't bother taking them home to see your, your parents. Why? Because, you, you know, you got to filter through these things, right? And so not just everybody gets to come into your home. I mean, you can have somebody spend the night, but before you ask them to spend a week, or a month, or move in, you're going to want to find out, you know, a little bit about this person, or you want to make sure that you're compatible, or you want to make sure there's not a disruption that is ongoing, right? How many have had somebody move into the house and it turned out to be a disaster? <laughs> Hands everywhere, freely go up, <laughs> you know. No, sometimes there's just a, it could be, it could be just a chemistry, and it could be um, a spiritual thing, it could be an emotional thing, it could be just, you know, triggers that go off, whatever the case may be, right? You know what I'm saying? So you have to be careful who you allow under your roof. And um, because your home is your sanctuary, and, and, and some of us, our calling um, includes bringing people into our home, and I understand that, okay? There's a certain, there's certain giftedness where people... Their calling is, they, their home is a place where people come in. But even when you have that, you have certain boundaries. You have certain things, okay? Uh, I remember when I was 16 year, or 17 years old, I hitchhiked down to California. And um, I loaded up my backpack, got a ride from North Seattle down to Tacoma. Then in Tacoma, we couldn't seem to get a ride. And finally... This guy picks us up after waiting for about nine hours. Picks us up. He just got out of the military, and he was headed home. And we said, where, where are you going? And he said, San Diego. And I said, hey, so are we. <laughs> we had no idea where we were going. <laughs> we just wanted to go somewhere, right? We didn't care if we wanted to go east, west, whatever. Well, not too far west. Um, and so, so it, was, it, was, it was one of those deals where, man, this looks like an adventure, and the beautiful thing is he said, hey, where do you guys, which way do you want to go? I-5 or 101 down the Oregon coast? We said Oregon coast. And so we went down the Oregon coast and we slept underneath the, uh, the Redwoods. And we slept on the beach one night. And uh, it was really fun. It was an adventure, right? But when we got to his house in California, in San Diego, he said, um, hey, this is my parents' house. And um, you guys can sleep outside in their truck, in the bed of their truck, under the canopy. And I'm like going, yeah. This is like a hotel, right? Because, <laughs> you know, we're used to when we take these little trips, because I took several of these kinds of trips, right? And we'd sleep under bridges and different places where we'd be safe or at least away from the rain, right? And from crazy people that live in small towns which is a whole other story. If you'd like to sit down and have a cup of coffee, you don't have to invite me to your house, but if you'd like to have a <laughs> cup of coffee, 
Um, I could tell you some of those stories. Pretty interesting. But, um, but anyway, he says, you can't come in the house, but um, you can sleep in the truck. And so we sleep in the truck, and we were just so grateful to be able to sleep there. We were so excited that we got this ride all the way down there. And, and the only thing we had to do is buy breakfast one time, and, and that was it. And so the interesting thing is he came back out that night, and he says, hey, my parents know you're in the truck. And they're good with that, but they want to know if you want to go to breakfast in the morning. And I was like, what? But you got to go to church first. Right? See how it works? Couldn't come in the house, but I could go to church. You know, you got people in your life that you can't invite to your home that you can take to church. And they took me to church, and man, the worship was amazing. I'd never experienced anything like that. The people were lifting their hands. I was like, why are they doing that? Are they waving at people, or what, what's going on? And they were, they were, they were singing, and like, much like what we just ha- had here. And, and, and by the way, for those of you that aren't used to what you just experienced here, uh, you know, keep in mind, we try to pick songs that try to make sense to all people, but some songs make sense to people who have been following Jesus for a long time and have read their Bibles, and they know all these Bible stories, right? So the songs um, trigger Bible stories from, from the time they were little kids, all the way up until now, right? And so, so just, just have patience. If you don't understand what it means, another one in the fire, it doesn't mean we're, you know, burning people out back, you know? It's like, whoa, another one in the fire. It's like, no, that's not what's happening. Yeah. He says, why are you guys singing about blood and lambs? And why are you killing sheep? You know, what's the deal? And it's like... Well, there, that's some insider talk that we use, and, and I know that not everybody understands it, but we got to have both, right? we got to have stuff that people that aren't used to Christian stuff that they can relate to. we got to have stuff that people have been um, walking in the way for a long time. Not in the way. Now, okay, so you know what I'm saying. They're following Jesus, the way of Jesus is what I mean. So anyway, so we're down there, and... and we go to the church service. It was amazing. It was, I, I, I know that it was the thing that opened me up to the things of God where I ended up giving my life to Jesus about two years later. And, but I can, tr- I can trace, you know, sometimes it takes a seed being watered for a while. And that's what was happening to me. And uh, on that trip, yes, even though it was a very worldly trip most of the time, that one experience right there was a very powerful encounter. But the interesting thing is, is I also recognize the fact that this family, this was a good family. I could see it in their family. And when we went out to breakfast, I watched how they interact and talked with each other and the things they talked about. And they talked about the sermon. They talked about all kinds of things. And they asked me questions about my life. And it was a, I'd never been at a table with people where they were talking about spiritual things and, and including me in it. And it was, a, it was an amazing time. But I also know, I was reflecting on, but they won't let me in the house. And I realized that looking back, what they were doing, they have a boundary. There was a boundary that says, hitchhiking dudes with big afros <laughs> and pot in their backpack are not the ones that you're going to invite into your house, right? And so it was a, it was a weird thing for me. It's like, 
I'm, I'm starting to see that there's people that actually decide what comes in their house and what doesn't come under their roof. And so today, I want to I talk to you about what's under your roof. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for giving us wisdom that goes beyond our years and insight that goes beyond our human understanding. We pray that your intention for each and every one of the, us, which is different for each individual, it would be communicated through this message. Open our ears, open our eyes, in Jesus' name, amen. So one of the things that this family had that I had met down there is that they had a very clear understanding that, that, that there was a decision that they had made that they were going to follow Jesus. This is something that was part of the culture of their family. It was part of uh, how they set their values, how they did life, right? And whether you agree or not of them letting me in the house or not is not the issue. That was their boundary. I'm not saying that you shouldn't let anybody in your house that is hitchhiking with a bag of pot in a pot pack, backpack. I'm just saying that it's really important that we recognize for ourselves what we allow under our roof. And, um, and so one of the things that we need to be very intentional about these days when it comes to our, raising our family, raising our grandkids, raising, uh, well, building friendships and establishing how we are going to roll with our lives, we have to really think about what God thinks about as opposed to what we think about. And one of the reasons that Tina and I decided we were going to serve the Lord is, one, we felt like it was, it was something that had happened over a period of time where we were awakened to certain spiritual things. And when we had talked to people and they'd shared Jesus with us and all these kinds of things, it kind of, it, it kind of um, set the stage for the first time I went to church and I gave my life to Jesus. And after that, I decided I wanted to have a family like some of the families I saw in, in church, like I saw on that trip down to San Diego. I wanted a family like that. I wanted a family that had values. I wanted to have a family that loved each other. I wanted to have a family that loved other people. I wanted to have a family that honored God. And I wanted to be tied into the ancient tradition, not just the current trends. You see, what we see happening today is a lot of people are trading decades, centuries, millennia of years of tradition that has proven to keep people healthy, that keep people in relationship, that keep marriages together, keep families together, keep people healthy, all that kind of stuff. They've traded it for something that came up on TikTok. They're trading it for something that came up on social media, came up on in current culture, things along those lines, and they're picking up new ideologies that haven't had time to show the fruit of those ideologies. And they're even picking up stuff that have shown the fruit, and they're picking it up anyway. And so what I want to do is give you 
a framework. So the, as you're looking at your family, now when I say family, I'm not talking about just you and your kids, because if you're not married, this it wouldn't apply to you, but it, this will apply to you. And I ask you to use spiritual discernment on what I'm sharing with you to fit it into your world right now as great-grandparents or as single adults who have nieces and nephews. I'm asking you to look at this through the eyes of a student that's still in high school that has a bedroom because you have a roof over your head. And whether you live in a tent on the side of the road or you live in a mansion out in Maple Valley, you still have a household and you still have a roof. Okay, that roof is under your control. If it's your bedroom, that's under your control. You choose what goes on the walls. You choose what music you listen to in there, and you choose who you bring in there, okay? And so as we're looking at that, I'd like you to consider a couple things that we see, first of all, in Ephesians chapter 6. If you'd look there in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, we see a very basic foundational principle that, that has been passed down for centuries, that has proven to be work, that is under attack right now. This is under attack. This idea, which seems to be a really great idea, and why it's under attack, I don't understand it, other than it helps create a comfort zone for people that choose not to follow the ways of God. Okay? So, Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. It doesn't say obey your parents because they, they always know what to do. It says because they belong to the Lord. Okay? Are you getting that? All right. Obey your parents because you, they, because, you, um, because you belong to the Lord. I'm sorry. I, I got that. I, I said that wrong because I read it wrong. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. But they belong to the Lord as well. Verse 2, honor your father and your mother. It doesn't say wait until they get it all right. Some of you won't honor your parents because you think they did you wrong. And in some cases they did. Some of you have been abandoned. Some of you have been neglected. Some of you don't even know who your dad is. Right? And, so, and that's, uh, it's, that's a sad thing. It's unfortunate. It doesn't change what God's telling you to do. How do you honor your parents? By how you choose to live. You choose to be a productive citizen. You choose to love people. You choose to forgive people. You, you choose to develop character and virtues that honor God <clears throat> and honor your parents. And whether your parents did the right thing or not, you still honor them. It's not a reward for all the good things they did. It's, it's, it's who you become. And when you, every, every, anybody that's a parent, when they see their kid succeeding in life, succeeding in relationships, succeeding in family, succeeding in their business or their work or their ethics, it honors a parent, even if they didn't do anything to contribute to it. And I know that touches on some wounds for some of you. Uh, but you know what? God will show you how to deal with that wound. Just don't nurse it. Don't fight to keep it. Allow it to heal. Probably the best way to heal it is send some honor your parents' way. Okay? All right. Got quiet here because a lot of us have those wounds. 
And it says that when you honor your father and your mother, that this is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you. Here's the, this is the promise. Things will go well with you. You'll have a long life on the earth. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So there's a command here that we're supposed to take the, the commandments of the Lord and raise our kids with them. In other words, create a household or an environment in our home that reeks of the things of God. Okay? Let's look at Deuteronomy. We see, uh, we go back. We go back in history to the Old Testament, the Jewish tradition. Now remember, Christianity was Judaism moving forward with Jesus. Jesus said, okay, you guys all have the laws now. You got the Ten Commandments here. Now I'm going to show you how to love people. Because some of you have forgotten how to love people. And some of us have to remind ourselves, some of you have really good theology, but you're really rude to people. You're mean to people. And you justify it by having good theology. Right? You can have the right theology and have the wrong spirit. Okay? There's words for that, but I can't say them here. So... Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18 says, Commit yourself wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house, on your gates. So as, <clears throat> that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. Be careful to obey these commands that I'm giving you. Show love to the Lord your God by walking in his ways and holding tightly to him. So there comes a point where you have to decide how you're going to do your bedroom. How are you going to do your house? How are you going to raise your kids? How are you going to work with your grandkids? And I understand that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of um, complications because we have mixed marriages now. We have stepchildren. We have kids who have our grandkids and they're not raising them up the same way that you raised your, your kids up or the way that you would like to see them raised and all that. I understand all the complications. So please, anything that I say, please do not use it to condemn yourself. Okay? Just ask the Holy Spirit to show you how to take a step the right direction with it. Okay? Make sense? All right. So let's look at the Ten Commandments because it's saying that we're supposed to follow these commands. And then we have in Ephesians, it says, the first commandment with a prom- promise, okay? And so let's look at these commandments. These are the commandments of the Lord. It says, do not have any gods other than Yahweh. Do not make idols or worship them. Do not misuse Yahweh's name. Observe and keep the Sabbath holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. It's a pretty good one. Um, Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not falsely testify against your neighbor. Do not covet your neighbor's wife or belongings. Okay? 
So these are, pretty much make sense, right? I mean, do you need me to explain any of these to you? I mean, they, these, I mean, if you might see one up there that you go, ah, I don't know. But it's probably because you're lacking some information. If you had all the information about it, you'd probably really go, yeah, that's, that's really amazing. Okay? But these, these are what keeps families together. This is what keeps a community together. This is what keeps kids going on the right path is that we have these kinds of commands. Okay? They're not suggestions. They're commandments. And the first four of them uh, help you preserve your relationship with God. And the other six are all about your relationships with other people. And this is how we keep our relationships right. Okay? Then Jesus comes along. Years later, these were the commandments that were given to us by Moses when he went up on the mountain and saw God and heard from God and wrote them down and on the tablets. And, and he brings these down so that the community of Israel wouldn't kill each other. Because they were doing all kinds of stuff. They were on their way to the promised land, and they were going to kill each other. And they were having sex with each other. Like crazy. Doing all kinds of stuff. So he had to come up with some guidelines to keep this, this community going, right? And the Lord shows him these things, and he brings them. And then Jesus comes along years later, later and says, you guys are really good at, at fighting to keep these Ten Commandments, Right? But now I'm going to show you how to really love. I'm going to show you how to have compassion. I'm going to show you how to not be the tool that has this memorized but then isn't treating people right. You follow me? Okay. So then these commandments, get re, they get boiled down to two. Love God with all your heart and soul and might. Love your neighbor as yourself. So he takes the, all of them and says, you'll fulfill every one of these Ten Commandments if you just concentrate on loving God and loving people, okay? So when we take a look at this, there's, there's a couple of different things, approaches, when it comes to your roof and under your roof, and you're raising up kids or you're, you're having conversations with your spouse and things like that, and here's a couple of things to think about. First thing, a lot of people don't know what to do. So I'm going to show you what to do. Okay, real simple. I'm going to go through this kind of fast. So if you're taking notes, you, you know, you might want to just take a picture of the screenshot. I'm going to show you a list of, of bad things not to do. Bad things not to do. Okay? All right. Well, as you're raising kids, these are things you probably don't want your kids doing, right? Right? Or some of you are okay with bullying. Okay, some of you are okay with lying and stealing. Some of you are okay with them uh, partying at, in the kindergarten class, stuff like that. You know, you're, you're good with that. Uh, no, so these are things that probably are things that we would, we would say, no, under this roof, this ain't going to happen. Here's what a lot of Christian people do. They, they make lists like this in their mind, and then they, they work on keeping their kids from doing any of these things. Worst mistake you could ever make. Worst mistake you could ever make. When this is the focus, you're putting those things in front of their mind all the time. That's why Jesus didn't talk about sin that much. He didn't, he didn't call out certain sins. Except for the sins of the religious people. If you can find some place, just come show me. 
Woman caught in adultery? Yeah, he did. He, 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 but what he said is that, where, where are your accusers? And she says, well, there are none. They, they all left. And he says, well, I accuse you not. Go sin no more. That's what he told her. Go sin no more. So these things right here, even though you don't want these things, the way that you raise your kids up in the things of God is we show them this other list. These are the things that we pray about. These are the things that we look for opportunities to share with our kids. We teach them these things. Okay? And you put these things before them so that when they did the first start doing things on the first list and you start seeing them lying or they stole something or something like that, say, hey, you know, I see that you grabbed that candy bar from the store and I don't recall you buying it. Um, that's not like you. Remember, you're a Jesus follower, and Jesus followers are always honest, right? So what do you think we should do about this? Do you think you should eat it? Are you catching me? You see, we're pointing them this direction as opposed to condemning them from the other list. Right? And so sometimes in our parenting and our desires to help our kids grow, we come against things more than we are for things. And we talked about that in beautiful resistance, but this is a really good thing to think about. Jesus spent his time not quoting the Ten Commandments, but teaching people how to walk out love, teaching people how to do what is right and what is good. And what is, what is honoring to God and honoring to their parents and things along those lines. Now, there's three things that real quickly you might want to write these down. When I look through this Deuteronomy passage, it, the, one of the first things it says, it says, So commit yourself wholeheartedly to these words of mine. What are the words of his? Well, right before this, he was talking about the Ten Commandments. So you commit wholeheartedly. To the things of God. So in your house, under your roof, you commit yourself as parents. First of all, you commit wholeheartedly that you want to follow the Lord. Okay. Now, some of you are late to the game in this. And so your kids have been raised and things along those lines. And, and by you making shifts in your life, you're like pulling the rug right out from underneath them. And they're like, what the heck? Dad, you were a dirty dog just a while back. And now here, all of a sudden, you're all holy and everything along those lines. It's like... <laughs> It's like, who are you? I know what you are, right? So you, you just got to ease into this kind of stuff. You can't just like, boom, and just freak everybody out, right? And so start by committing to a spiritual rhythm, okay? This is a spiritual rhythm. The Ten Commandments for the children of Israel, they, that was a spiritual rhythm. They recited these. They quoted these, and they put them on the doorposts of their house, and they put them on their walls and stuff like that. So get a spiritual rhythm. And one of the best ways to do that is doing what you're doing right now. When you're consistent with a rhythm, and I'm talking about a rhythm, not, not like all of a sudden you just crank the music like this, and then you don't hear the music again for, you know, six months. Yeah. Talking about a rhythm, a cadence, every Sunday. Every Sunday, we, get, we got a rhythm, and our kids are like, it's weird for them if Sunday happens and it doesn't include the rhythm of church. 
And, and I'm not saying that church makes you holy. I'm just saying that when you, you invest yourself into the rhythm of the church family. And I, guys, I get it. We have cabins. We have vacations. We have sports that we got to do. We got all kinds of stuff that are going on. I get it. But you got to fight to get some sort of rhythm when it comes to spiritual stuff for your kids, for yourselves, and things along those lines. You fight for that spiritual rhythm. And so... There's a thing about church that is really helpful is, is it introduces kids to other people that are Christian. It introduces you to other Christian people. You start to pick up from one another different ways of doing things. And when things don't work for you, you've got a family there that you see it's working. And then you ask them how it works and you get into that small group and you got that rhythm of that. And you got some friendships. you got this common union. And when you come into church, you're singing songs. We're all thinking about the same things. We're, we're learning the same stuff and all that kind of stuff. There's a rhythm to it. There's a rhythm to it. This is not a sporadic thing that you do every time you feel bad because you felt like a dirty dog for a while. Okay? This isn't what, that's not what we do. This is a life. It's a rhythm. When we went to Israel, we go to, to people's homes and watch them do the Sabbath thing. Every week, they get together and have a meal with their family. They bless their children. They do the ceremonial washings, and they, they quote the scriptures, and it's very life-giving, and it pulls the family back to what's core to who they are on a regular basis. But some of us don't have a spiritual rhythm, and we need to invite that into our lives. And you know, it, it, may, it might be <clears throat> that uh, you create your own spiritual rhythms. Maybe it's a meal that you guys have. Uh, every Sunday, I was, Johanna Day at her funeral, they were talking about how every Sunday the family would come over and, or anybody that was in the, in the neighborhood <laughs> you know, or in the area that was family would come over to their house and they would have a pot roast every Sunday. They could count on it. Why? It was a rhythm. It was a rhythm. Some of you think that tradition is bad, but tradition is actually very good when there's a spiritual rhythm to it, and it pulls family together. So think about what can I do to create a spiritual rhythm. The second thing that you want to think about is, is you want to set reminders, reminders in your home of who God is, because it says, put it on the doorpost, put it out on the gate right? Uh, when Richard and Amber were walking the, the Camino, they could walk by houses and they see little posts that have a little shell on there. And that means that pilgrims are welcome in that home. And so you could go spend the night there. Um, and, and so any place you saw that shell, you knew that they were friendly to pilgrims. Maybe it was for a meal. Maybe it was for a night, a place to stay. Maybe they had a little apartment that they, they let pilgrims stay in or whatever. It was a powerful thing. But there's little reminders that we set. So some of the, if you walked into your bedroom at your home, what, what are you reminded of? Does it have anything to do with Jesus? Is there any Jesus anything in there? Or is it all just all about, you know, music? Which is fine. Music's great. But where's, is there a trace of Jesus in this home? I see your bar, but where's your Bible? Right? You know, it's funny what we have front and center, right? So think about it. What does it communicate? What's front and center? What does it communicate, right? I knew better this time. I had the, the lid on my water, and I just tipped it over. And I, See, I learned from my mistakes. <laughs> and last thing, set, set intentional triggers. Set intentional triggers. Listen, there's all kinds of stuff that should trigger you pulling out your phone and Googling 
what to do, what scriptures talk about sadness? What scriptures talk about forgiveness? What scriptures talk about betrayal? And every time your kid has a life experience that is sad or difficult, or they get injured, or they get their feelings hurt, or they get bullied, there's a scripture that you can pull up. And now we have the beauty of having phones that can actually be used for something good. Because you can Google just anything you want and find out great scriptures to help your kids walk through the fact that they were treated unfairly. And you take the triggers of life and have them trigger the word in a conversation. So that pretty soon, in a very natural way, not in a forceful way, we say, okay, now we're going to sit down and we're going to have devotions. Everybody pull the Bibles out, and, and Dad's going to lead the most boring Bible study you've ever, you've ever heard. Okay, now, some of you lead some pretty good Bible studies, and, you, and you're really into it, and your kids like it. So, hey, get on with your bad self. Keep doing it. But for a lot of us, we're just really a boring people when it comes to teaching from the Bible, right? But if you take natural circumstances that the kids are going through today or yesterday, and then you find scriptures that show them how to deal with that kind of stuff, instead of going straight to the world or straight to the counselor or straight to the teacher, you go straight to the word and the kids start to see that, that under your roof, when there's problems, you always go to God's word, okay? And guys, this is not a control thing. This is a life-giving thing. And so, so it's not just to try, it, it's not a behavioral modification exercise. It's about connecting them to the love of God, the wisdom of God, and a tradition that has gone on for thousands of years that works and it holds families and it holds communities together. And I invite you to explore what that looks like. Can't give it all to you right now but I encourage you to explore what it looks like for under your roof, okay? Father, we pray right now that you would show us how we can inch our way towards a better environment at home. May we say, as for me and my house, may we say, under this roof, this is how we roll. This is what we do. This is how we roll. And Lord, help us do it with grace and with love and not with an angry fist and not with a hateful tone and not with a judgmental spirit, but one that is life-giving and hopeful. And God, I pray for every person that feels like they blew it with their kids or with their grandkids or with their brothers or sisters. There's some regret there. Lord, I pray that you would show them how to process that and look going forward instead of kicking themselves from what was. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey guys, listen, our prayer partners are gonna be up here right after the service. I invite you, if you feel like you're at a place where it's time to make a shift, or maybe you're trying to process some regret that you have. 
I pray that you will come up to them, talk to these guys, pray with them. They'll pray for you, and we will see the best days of your roof ahead. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.